Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapunzel. Sometimes getting your friends to play Dungeons and Dragons back in the 80s at any time could be a challenge. Not because the game isn't awesome, it is, but because they had preconceived notions about the type of people who play D&D and the type of people they would be perceived as once they started playing. What I found is that they just needed a little bit of exposure in order to make that leap. And in 1983, the perfect bit of exposure came in the form of an animated cartoon on Saturday mornings that was accessible, showed some pretty fine violence, and managed to transform more than one of my friends into a person willing to throw the dice. Not all of them stuck with it. It's not a game for everyone, especially when compared to the draw of the real world and how rewarding living in the real world can be. But for those of us who didn't enjoy being in the real world all the time, D&D and games like it were a great method of escaping. I hear a lot of people who talk about how swell it is as a group storytelling effort and as an outlet for imagination, and it is all those things. But for me at least, and I think a lot of people like me, primarily I came to that world because in that world I could do anything I wanted. I could be anything. It was unlike the world that I was living in at the time. We live in a wonderful time where nerdiness and geekiness is appreciated, so it seems, by the media and in entertainment. I don't know how long that's going to last. I hope it does. And I hope people continue to try Dungeons & Dragons and that they use it for group storytelling or an outlet for their imagination or in those rare cases where the enlightenment of this geek renaissance has not taken hold as a fine escape from the day-to-day -day drudgery of other people. On today's show, I'm going to talk about a great method for introducing some people to this wonderful world of dice and pen and paper, Dungeons & Dragons, the television series. We'll talk about the talented people who wrote it, directed it, and the voices behind the characters. We'll talk about the characters themselves, the plot of the show, the show's tie-ins, its reception, its release on home video, and we'll talk a little bit about what should have been the ending of this great animated series. We have a lot of information to cover, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Dungeons and Dragons was an animated television series based on the TSR role-playing game. It was co-produced by TSR and Marvel and ran from September 17, 1983 till December 7, 1985. Three seasons, 28 episodes. The show is about a group of friends who are magically brought into the realm of Dungeons and Dragons by climbing on a dark ride slash roller coaster that is Dungeons and Dragons themed at the local amusement park. The first season of the show was directed by Bob Richardson, the second and thirds by Carl Gers. The plot is pretty simple. They're brought to this magical world and given powers, and their main goal is to find a way home. Along the way, they meet the denizen of these strange realms, and with the help of Dungeon Master, they attempt to do good and defeat the evil Venger, who is the main antagonist of the series. Today's show is brought to you by our local candy store. Going to be doing some gaming tonight? Why not pick up some candy? that candy. The show had two sets of credits. The original credits, which during season one served as a sort of introduction to the show. You see the kids get into the Dungeons and Dragons ride, and then they're magically transported, and Dungeon Master gives them their weapons, and they have to defend themselves against Venger and Venger's nemesis, Tiamat. You also get this great Dungeon Master saying, fear not, ranger, barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. That was Venger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. So you get the whole overview right there. In the second and third season, you get a similar start, the roller coaster, but once they get over there, they're ready to fight. You don't see the whole granting of the weapons. Instead, they have their weapons and they're ready to go at Venger right away. The sinister Venger appears and says, There is no escape, for you have entered the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. Much more sinister. I prefer the first season credits because it does give an overview right away of what's going on, but I could see that if you're a fan already, it wasn't needed by season two and three. We'll return after these messages. This is Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Video game cartridge. You have to buy it separately to play on the Intellivision video game system. Mom and Dad have to hook it up to the TV. What next? We're trying to find a crown, but it's real easy to get lost. So don't be surprised if the dragon finds you first. Holy cats, you just killed the dragon. I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. Advanced Dungeons and Dragons video game cartridge and Intellivision Master Component from Mattel Electronics, each sold separately. And now... Back to the show. The show had some great characters and lots of quality voice work behind it. Hank the Ranger was voiced by Willie Ames. Hank is the leader of the group, I guess along with Eric, maybe even Diana. Hank has a cool bow that could shoot magical arrows of glowing energy, could do all sorts of cool, crazy stuff. He was voiced by Willie Ames. American actor, producer, screenwriter, probably best known as Tommy Bradford in the 
TV series Eight is Enough, and Buddy Lembeck in the 1980 series Charles in Charge. Eric the Cavalier was voiced by Don Most. We probably know him better as Donnie Most when he played Ralph Mouth on Happy Days. He's this sort of snobby, rich kid. He's given a magical shield that can project a force field. Diana the Acrobat was voiced by Tanya Gale Smith, who, besides this TV series, is just listed as having a small role in the TV show The Facts of Life. Diana was a gymnast outside of the realms, and she is given a magical staff, which can shift in length from tiny to very, very long, used as a weapon, used for all sorts of cool acrobatics. Presto the Magician was voiced by Adam Rich. Adam Rich was also in Eight is Enough, where he played Nicholas Bradford, so you had a Eight is Enough reunion for this. Presto's real name is Albert, which I always think is odd that he's the only one who gets to be Presto and not just Albert, whatever. Very low confidence, probably the geekiest member of the group. Because he doesn't believe in himself, has no confidence in himself, this often puts the group in danger as he's not able to pull off what he needs to pull off when he needs to pull it off. Presto has a magical hat, which he can pull stuff out of, as magicians often do. Sheila, the thief, was voiced by Katie Lee. She is given a cloak that can make her invisible. Katie Lee, lots of voice work, probably best known as Connie Kendall, on the Focus on the Family radio program Adventures in Odyssey. She was also the voice of Sunny Gummy in Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Sheila, the character she played, is Bobby's older sister. That cloak is really cool, gives her that ability to disappear when she needs to. In the Spanish-language versions of the show, she is known as a mage or illusionist as opposed to a thief. And I'm not sure if that is a moral thing. Just the ability to be invisible doesn't necessarily make you a thief, although you would be a good one. Bobby, the barbarian, was voiced by Ted Field III, his father was one of the producers on the show, I think from a very wealthy family. But Bobby auditioned for the show without the consent of his father, and his father pulled himself out of the decision-making for the show. He has a magical club, which he can use to trigger earthquakes when he hits the ground. He's kind of impulsive. His sister, though, Sheila, is there often to bail him out when he needs it. You need the unicorn, which is Bobby's pet was voiced by Frank Welker, the great and powerful Frank Welker. Tons of voice work, including the voice of Megatron and Soundwave in the Transformers. On Dungeons & Dragons, he also voiced Tiamat, the dragon nemesis of Venger. Dungeon Master was voiced by Sidney Miller. He's the group's friend, mentor, overseer, kind of cryptic. Sidney Miller, actor, director, songwriter, working since the 30s appeared in Boys Town with Mickey Rooney, and would go on to work at Disney on the Mickey Mouse Club, and then directed many episodes of the TV series Get Smart. Peter Cullen was the voice of Avenger, the main antagonist. He also happened to be Dungeon Master's son. We find this out in the episode The Dragon's Graveyard. He's an evil wizard, and is trying to get the weapons from these kids to boost his own power. Peter Cullen Amazing voice talent, probably best known as Eeyore in Winnie the Pooh and Optimus Prime in the Transformers. Finally, Bob Holt did the voice of Shadow Demon, who was Avengers' creepy assistant. 
Holt, probably best known as the voice of Grape Ape in the new Tom and Jerry show. He was the voice of Avatar in Ralph Bakshi's Wizards, and also did the voice of the Mugwai in Gremlins. Now, with a little bit more about one of these wonderful actors, is Vic Sage with another Why Should I Know This Person? Hi friends, Vic Sage here with this installment of Why Should I Know This Person? And this week we're looking at the vast career of Sidney Miller. Sidney Miller was born Sidney L. Miller in Shenandoah, Pennsylvania on October 22, 1916. Sidney's family moved to L.A. in 1930, and a year later he got his first bit part in the comedy Pinrod and Sam. For the next two years he would continue to appear in uncredited roles for film, but in 1933 he landed a role as Izzy in The Mayor of Hell, appearing with the likes of James Cagney, Madge Evans, and Arthur Bryan. Throughout his career, Sidney worked in bit parts for film and television both, amassing roles in 134 productions. He appeared in such classic TV shows as Dragnet, Dragnet 1967, The Donald O'Connor Show, Love, American Style, Columbo, Cannon, Ironside, Adam 12, Marcus Welby, MD, Barney Miller, BJ and the Bear, Small Wonder, and Cagney and Lacey. Sidney, of course, also made a career in voice work. Besides being Dungeon Master, he was the voice of Sweet Mama Ooze and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. He provided additional voices for Smurfs, Challenge of the Gobots, Hork in the Manchi Cheese, The Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, and the animated theatrical release Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland, a highly overlooked animated film, by the way. Sidney also had a hand in directing over 30 TV series. Just a few include a 121-episode run of The Mickey Mouse Club, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, The Untouchables, My Favorite Martian, The Addams Family, The Monkees, Get Smart, Bewitched, and the live-action segments of The Skatebirds. This has been Vic Sage with Why Should I Know This Person, signing off until next time. Thanks, Vic. The show would run for 27 episodes, three seasons. Most of those episodes will work standalone, but toward the end of the show, they started to pull the plot lines together, and this would have climaxed in an unproduced finale for the show called Requiem. Requiem is actually written, and it is a poignant way to end the show. I think you can listen to it as a radio drama. It was included with one of the DVD box sets, but you can listen to it online at YouTube. Just type in Dungeons & Dragons Requiem. You can also go to the archive of Michael Reeves' website, the guy who wrote it. It's at the Internet Archive. Just look for michaelreeves.com slash requiempreface, and you can download the full script. In it, we find out that Venger was, in fact good at one point, and he was Dungeon Master's son, and he is finally able to break away from the forces of evil, and the characters are told that they can return to our realm. But as they look out upon the world of Dungeons and Dragons, they're faced with a difficult decision, and if there had been a fourth season, we maybe would have seen what decision they would have made, which I think would have been to stay in the realms and to explore on their own without Dungeon Master constantly pulling the strings. Really check it out if you had the chance. Unfortunately, we never did get to see that final episode, nor that fourth season. 
There was a lot of controversy about the show at the time because of violence, and people generally have a negative impression of Dungeons & Dragons as some sort of violent or devil-worshipping game, at least they used to. But the show did lead its time slot for two years. Now a little bit more about what it was up against and how well it did is Doug McCoy with his segment, Also Rant. Hey, I'm Doug, and this is Also Ran. What also ran alongside Dungeons and Dragons in 1983? Who did the thief, the barbarian, the acrobat, the cavalier, the ranger, and all the others have to share Saturday morning television with? Well, there were little dogs, little blue people, little monkeys, an amazing cube, and a host of other classic cartoon characters. Before Dungeons and Dragons aired on CBS, there was The Biscuits and then Saturday Super Cave. After that, there was The Dukes in the fall and Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle, in the spring. Then there was The Charlie Brown and Snoopy Show and finally The Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Show. Moving down to ABC, there was The New Scooby and Scrappy-Doo Show, The Little Rascals and Richie Rich, The Monchi Cheese, Pac-Man, Rubik's the Amazing Cube, and The Littles. And then dropping further all the way down to NBC, we had the Flintstone Funnies, Shirt to Tails, the Smurfs, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Mr. T, the Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man, and Thundar the Barbarian. So how did the Dungeons and Dragons crew do against all that competition? To be honest, I don't know. It's a little harder to find the ratings for the Saturday morning shows than it is to find the ratings for the primetime shows. What I do know is that I remember Dungeons & Dragons a whole lot better than most of these shows. None of these shows affected my childhood like Dungeons & Dragons did. This is the one that we talked about on the playground. This is the one we pretended on the playground. We didn't pretend the Biscuits, we didn't pretend the Smurfs, but we did pretend Dungeons & Dragons during grade school recess period. In fact, every time I rode a roller coaster, in the 1983, 1984, 1985 era, I was hoping beyond hope that the next thing I would see would be the Dungeon Master. So I'm Doug, and this has been Also Ran. Thanks, Doug. The music you hear in the show was composed by Johnny Douglas. Johnny Douglas was an English composer, passed away in 2003. He would record over 500 tracks for DECA and recorded 80 albums for RCA and did 38 motion picture soundtracks. For people who watch a lot of cartoons, though, he's probably best known for his work in the 80s where he did music for the animated series Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, The Transformers, The Incredible Hulk, and of course Dungeons and Dragons. And he did a great job on it. The series is available on DVD. There was a 2006 five-disc set release that, if you can track it down, is worth it because it has a lot of great special features, including documentaries, commentaries, character profiles, and the aforementioned final episode, Requiem. Unfortunately, in the UK edition, they didn't include Requiem. I don't know why. In 2009, Mill Creek Entertainment acquired the rights to the series and released it as a three-disc set. 
Unfortunately, they didn't have any special features, but it's a quality release. The music and animation's good. It's a shame, though, that they couldn't have those special features and that they could not include Requiem, because it's a nice bonus. Right on my shelf above me are a couple of toys for Dungeons & Dragons that were released by LJN back in 1983. I had a buddy who had the complete set. Oddly enough, he loved the show, but I could never convince him to try the role-playing game. I think he might have checked it out, but when he found out that it was much more free form, that you weren't actually playing necessarily the characters from the cartoon, he was turned off by it. The toy line is fairly bulky for a kind of limited series, so if you want to get started on something kind of cool and fantasy related, and you have the room, why not check it out, start a new collection. They released a couple of books based on the series, six books in the choose-your-own-adventure format, and in the UK, two hardcover books were released by World International Publishing. These were kind of retellings of episodes, but in print form, and the stories that were retold were Eye of the Beholder and Prison Without Walls. And if you happen to be a French speaker, there are six books that retell some of the more popular episodes. The Dungeons & Dragons animated series has a mixed following. Some people come to it later in life and love it. Some people saw it as a youth, come back to it, hate it. It's hard to tell how people are going to react. I know nostalgia does help to make things more palatable, but I don't see a problem with this show at all. I think for an animated series, it's well-written. It's certainly not adult entertainment, but it occasionally gets up there because of the violence and because of the decisions that these kids have to make. At one point, they have to decide whether they're going to kill somebody. That's a pretty powerful subject for an 80s cartoon. If you haven't checked this series out, please do. If you have checked it out and haven't seen it in years, why not go and pick up the DVD? Try to enjoy it. If you can track down the BCI Eclipse release, I would suggest you do that, mainly for the special features and Requiem, but of course Requiem is available online, which anyone who's a fan should check out. Hopefully this show will inspire you to pick up some dice, pick up some pen and paper, maybe get a group together on a Friday night, drink some Shasta Cola, and enter a fantasy world of your own. After that. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear during the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks to Doug McCoy for another also ran. You can find Doug at the website on a regular basis. You can also check him out at his personal website, authordougmccoy.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Shadow, how did my little shadow ever come to be? Shadow. It looks a lot like me. Glado. It keeps me company. I have a shadow too. Why do I have a shadow? When the sunlight meets your body, it cannot pass through. Then your body casts a shadow right in back of you. If 
turn around, you'll see your shadow at your feet. And when the sun is high above, how small it gets to be. Why is that? When the sun is directly above you, the sunlight is blocked only by your head and shoulders, so the shadow is small. But when the sun is low in the sky, your entire body blocks the light. Also, from this position, the shadow spreads out along the ground, so it is bigger. Every shadow is a dark spot, and it's clear to see. Your shadow looks a lot like you. And mine takes after me. Aren't shadows lots of fun? The only toy I really wanted was like a big Tiamat. Like a big, really big, I don't know, like six foot tall Tiamat. And I would put it in the corner of my room. And then people would come in and be, wow, that's a big dragon. I go, no, it's a big Tiamat. Dragons, Tiamat. This has been a retrospection. Goodbye.